Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless, and today I have a special treat for you. I have Gerard Carroll, who is representing Empirix, E-M-P-I-R-I-X. If you want to go to their website, E-M-P-I-R-I-X.com, Empirix.com. What do they do? They do end-to-end network performance monitoring and analytics. And let me tell you, this is what I would look at as, as data analytics because they're looking at every end of the network. Now, I know what you're thinking. All you RF guys out there, probably even UIT guys, what does that matter to me? I'm going to tell you. So what they do, they look at each section of the network. So let's say you're working on a carrier network. They would look at not only the backhaul, they would look at not only the, the RAN, they would look not only at the core, they're looking at all that, but wait, there's more. They're also looking at the UE device. They can monitor the handset. So that takes you from end to end. And what does that mean to you? I'm going to tell you again. So hang on there. Well, Gerard will explain it all when I interview him. But the reason this pertains to you, because sometimes here's the way I saw it. And here's why I was so interested in this guy. I met him up at Needass in New York City. And I mean, I was just fascinated with the way he not only, well, obviously his presentation, Gerard's a really cool guy, just a brilliant guy. <laughs> so maybe that was part of it. But what I was really interested in is the solution. The reason I say that is because they look at every aspect of the network and they can find the problems with the system. Now, why does that matter to you? Let me tell you guys something. If you ever worked on an RF problem that's really a backhaul problem, but you're in the RF group and then you hand it off to the backhaul group who's really busy and doesn't want to deal with it and they say it's not our problem, looks like it's up. How do you know? You're the RF guy. You're looking at the RAN. You're looking at the coverage. You're looking at the antenna. You might even be looking at the response from the UE device. When I say UE device, that's basically a smartphone out there that the customer's carrying. You might even have a UE device that you're testing with, right? Like when you do optimization, when you're doing ATP, when you're doing anything on the RAN network, chances are, when I say anything, in this case, when you're doing your final test and optimization on the RAN network, that's what you're going to test with. And you're just assuming everything's right. You're testing your upload speeds, your download speeds. If there's a problem, you probably think it's coverage because that's what you're focused on. If you're a backhaul guy and you have backhaul problems or a lot of bit errors, you see the problem. But what if... It looks like a clean link, but for some reason, the bandwidth is choked. You may not know that until you run a test on the backhaul. You may not know that your bandwidth isn't what you're supposed to get. Could be a lot of limitations. Could be a setting in the router. If you have fiber, you just think you got plenty of bandwidth, right? Could still be a setting. You could be limited. So there, why am I bringing all this up? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm bringing all this up because these are real world problems that I've seen and heard from people in the network. And the problem is when you're looking at the network, you have so many different groups looking at their particular piece that somebody has to rise above and look at the system. And that's where Empirex comes in. That's where this solution comes in. You can have one person looking at the aspects of the entire network from different points, put all that data together, and bam, they can help you troubleshoot, they can help you find problems, and they can also help you improve the system, improve the quality of experience, and they can also look at the data that the end user has and make improvements or just research and understanding exactly what the end user is getting at. And I bring all that up. I just look at every aspect of this, but I'll let Gerard explain that. I just spent four minutes rambling about probably what he's going to say in a much more understandable way. <laughs> but first, now I have to thank my sponsors, Tower Tracker Pro. It's your software package for your closeout needs. So when you're doing closeout packages, why not just do it all on a smartphone? Doesn't that just make sense? Do it step by step. All the pictures are sized automatically. All the metadata is in there. Your GPS data, everything's in the pictures. Step by step, it just makes sense. Tower Tracker Pro. Also, tower safety and instruction for all your tower training needs. Towersafety.com. If you go to their website, you'll see that they not only have all your tower safety needs, your first aid, your training, tower rescue, tower climbing, but they also have drone training. And if you saw, the rules just came out where the FAA did amend the rules. So I have to look into that. I didn't do a blog post. It's going to take me a little bit of research. I also want to thank two foundations, Hubble Foundation, H-U-B-B-L-E Foundation, HubbleFoundation.org, for all that they do for the families of the tower climbers that get injured out there. And trust me, we've had several in the past two months, several deaths. So if you think that 
Wireless is, is an easy business. Guess again, every aspect of wireless has different challenges, and the tower climbers certainly have theirs. I also want to thank another group that helps the families of the fallen climbers, the Tower Family Foundation, and they're at towerfamilyfoundation.org. Both of these groups help the tower families of the fallen climbers. And when I say tower families, that's really what it is. We have to stick together. So if you can make a donation to one of those organizations, I would greatly appreciate it. And finally, my book, The Wireless Deployment Handbook for Small Cell, CRAN, and DAS. I wrote it. I'm working on my next book, which is more about wireless deployment. I'm going to do the planning and more of the engineering side. That should be released soon. And I also want to point you out, if you're on Facebook, I have a company page, Wade for Wireless. You can just Search Wade, W-A-D-E, for wireless. Just like my website, Wade, W-A-D-E, the number four, wireless.com. That's where this information for this podcast is at. And you can just look up uh, basically Gerard's name. Should be right there. But I also have a couple other groups on Facebook. I do have an LTE, Small Cell, CRAN, and DAS group. And then on LinkedIn, I have a Small Cells. Oh, I'm sorry. It's LTE, Small Cell, CRAN, and DAS deployment group. I just put those out there. I basically share my blogs on them, my information, and uh, anything that you want to post on the groups, you can post on the groups. Now, on the company page, it puts it off to the side. It's not as easy to see. But if you have something you want me to post, just let me know. I'll, I'll try to get it out there. I try to put job listings as well as blogs and any other relevant information on there, plus my Twitter, at wadeforwireless.com. Okay, let's move on. Let's get into the interview. Let me tell you something. Gerard's a neat guy. You'll really like him. At least I did. What you're really going to like is what Empirex can do for the system. And you're going to want to go back and say, we have to have this once you see what it can do. I put plenty of links in the blog. I put their case studies. And the reason I put so many case studies in there is because when you see what it really does, you understand it. Like when we say big data analytics or it captures data, it's going to help you troubleshoot or solve problems. You don't really get it. That's why I put plenty of links in there, the case studies and their solutions. It's just fascinating. At least I did. I saw the potential. And you can do so much more than what we talked about. All right. On with the interview. Hey, thanks for joining. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. So enjoy the interview. Hey, everybody. I got a special treat today. Today, I have Gerard Carroll of Emperex. And what we're going to talk about today is capturing all that data, all that data that you need. And Gerard is just a guy to do it. I met him up at NEDAS in New York City. And we got to talk about it. He did a great presentation up there, which I'll put a link in the uh, blog so you guys can take a look at it. We'll get on with it. How are you doing today, Gerard? I'm all right. I'm currently in sunny Italy, enjoying the sunshine. Um, thank you very much for the invitation to speak to yourself and, and to your audience. Um, so just a brief intro as to who I am and what I do. So I'm the Empirix RAN Solution Manager. So basically what I do is I bring all of the RAN products to market. Um, and basically anything RAN related will inevitably come across my doorstep. So basically if you're interested in solving trooper problems, interference problems, they're the type of problems that the solutions I bring to market will be addressing. First off, what's your position in the company? Okay, so I'm the RAN Solution Manager. Um, I have responsibility for the RAN Vision Suite. Um, and what I do is I ensure that all of the solutions we bring to market leverage all of the important information we get from the radio access network. As I, as I am a pains to point out to people, um, the radio network is the one distinguishing aspect of a mobile network that makes you different from a fixed line network. Um, and it's the reason why subscribers are actually paying a monthly subscription um, to an operator. It's just purely because of that radio interface. And it is the... Um, I can say it, it is the bottleneck through which all of the services that people are paying for, it's, it's, it's the medium through which all of those services are actually delivered. Um, and what one does find is that an awful lot of the problems, and typically the, the figures quoted is 80-90% of all of the problems affecting service um, originates in the radio access network. Interesting. So your product, is it a service? Is it something that... A company would bring you in and say, I want you to do, I want you to capture this data. I, we'll get into what you're going to capture in a minute. Or is it a product? Is it something you would give to the consumer, whoever it is, let's say a carrier, and they would work on it themselves. They would record the data themselves. They would build up their own analytics. 
Could you explain that, whether it's a service or a product? So it is what I call a solution. So basically, that it's, it is one solution of the suite of solutions that Empirix offers. So basically, we will be selling our solutions into operators, um, and the suite of solutions that we're providing would, would be able to give end-to-end visibility of an oper- uh, to an operator from his core network um, right way through to the radio access network, as well as providing visibility of the user plane. So when problems begin to occur in a, in a network, our solutions can actually tell an operator whether problems in the core network, the radio access network, whether there's a problem up on the backhaul, whether there's an interference problem, or for example, whether a cell is overshooting. So all of our solutions work together to allow an operator to understand easily and quickly where is the pain point within this network, and more importantly, what's the root causes of those problems. Well, you're a brilliant guy. We have a solution. Don't look at it as a product or a service. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. are brilliant. Yeah. No, it's just it's just, it is more it is just phrasing, but it it is it is one solution amongst the suite of solutions. And how you get the benefit of all those different solutions is that they all have to work together in a coherent way. So, for, I'll give an example. Like you, you could be addressing the roaming department, and the roaming department will be interested in inbound roamers and the outbound roamers. But like your inbound roamers, they're all roaming upon your network, and if you suddenly find that you're losing your inbound roamers in an area of very, very high density, for example, if you're losing your inbound roamers in, in downtown Manhattan, that very well could be a radio problem. So that's why you need to have a, a holistic view of everything that's happening in your network to be able to pinpoint where your high-value roamers are leaving the network. And that's an example of the joined-up thinking where you look at a roaming problem and begin to link it directly into, for example, what's happening in the radio interface. I'm so glad you brought up roaming. So I'm going to go off on a tangent here, and I have to tell you, here in the States, uh, let's say the smaller – when I say – let's talk about the top four carriers. Let's say number three and four. I know for a fact that they roam on to number one and two's network when they don't have coverage. So the interesting thing is they have to pay every time one of their customers roams on to one and two, which one and two love that, right? They're making money off the competition. But if they have a RAN issue – or if it's a simple handoff issue, something that was totally missed in optimization, they're losing money every time they lose customers off that particular site. So I I think this is a great solution for that because they could catch that by just looking at the data. Is that an accurate statement? That is very accurate, and I'd almost hire you for that sentence that you said. <laughs> no, just simply because like what you're talking about there is national roaming, and it's exactly as you said, it's a major pain point for these other operators that they're actually having to pay their subscribers to give a good quality of service. And like there's, there's a number of different issues in there. Number one, for the operator, as you already said, they're, they're having to pay their competitors for this. But number two, for their own subscribers, every single time you are doing an inter-system handover from one operator to another operator, there's always going to be a block in service, and you may not even get the same quality of service on the other network as you would be getting upon your home network. So not only are you paying your competitors, um, you're also, you know, your own customers are suffering, um, what's the word, interruptions in their quality of service. And what you have to do is you have to understand where in the network those problems are occurring um, and, and understand how often it's occurring, which subscribers are affected, um, and I've often seen traces where you could actually have a single user in a single location and the user is not moving and yet he would be ping-ponging from multiple different radio access networks from 3G to 4G, from 4G back to 2G. And that's just a consequence of that the radio environment, and particularly for 3G and 4G, is so, so dynamic that radio conditions can change so, so quickly. And the end result of that is, is that you may end up having to pay your competition for your subscribers falling off your own network and then roaming onto the other network. Yeah, it, it, it happens more often than the consumer knows. So my audience are mostly wireless deployment people, and the deployment people know that optimization is a key part of the process for, uh, for finalizing the deployment. And what I like about your service, when you're troubleshooting problems and the way carriers are, at least here in the U.S., Everyone's segmented, let's say. You have the RF guys, you have the network guys, and you have the RAN guys. You have all these different handoffs in between. 
So when there's a RAM problem, let's say it could look like a coverage problem. So someone could look at RF and say, hey, you know, we're not getting the throughput we should. Are you sure the, the tilt's right on the antenna? Or they could look at the RAN guy and say, are you missing a setting? Did you set that up wrong? You know, was it was commissioned? Was it commissioned and integrated properly? Or, they, or is it the backhaul? So what you have is a lot of finger pointing. I think what I see, and, this, and just to let everyone know, this is why I was just so, so intrigued by your solution. I deal with these problems all the time. I put a solution together and everyone, and, and you know, we go to delivery, all the fingers start pointing, you know, it's coverage, it's this, it's that. We're not getting the throughput we expected. You can literally tell me ex- pretty much by the data you gather, by your data points, where you touch it, where the problem is. Because a lot of times people blame RF because, you know, it's sort of an unknown. RF, you can't see it. But data you can see and everything else you can see. But nobody wants to look at the backhaul. They just assume it's working. Now, would you say for your solution, you could break it up and tell me exactly where the problem is? And we do do exactly that, and that's one of the you know the strongest messages I give to my customers when we go into them and we talk to them about it. Like a, and the example I give, a problem occurs, you just immediately need to know which team do you give it to. And our solution, it, because we're looking at the entire network, core network, the user plane, and the radio access, we will be doing the analysis. We'll be able to identify in which part of the network is actually the problem is occurring. And that just suddenly, that just streamlines the workflow process within operators. It just suddenly means that problems are getting assigned to the right team far, far more quickly. And what we will do is that basically we will identify um, what is the root cause. So for example, the example that you were given, if there's a throughput issue, we'll be able to say, is it in an external network? Is, is, is for example, a video stream coming down um, downstream, is it actually um, poor throughput there? Or is there a problem of congestion somewhere in my core network? Or is the problem, as you already mentioned, upon or maybe upon the radio access network, where basically there could be congestion issues in a cell, or whether the interference levels could be too high? So what we do is we break down each part of um, the, the call flow throughout the entire network and begin to identify which part of the network the problem's occurring in and then basically identify what is the solution to that. So as far as the sample points, let's let's be a little clear on that. You, you brought it up in the solution. You can not only, uh, I shouldn't put it like that, you look at the core, you can look at the RF interface, you can you can take data points from each end and somewhere in the middle. Is that accurate? I mean, could you clarify that a little bit? That is accurate. So what I'd say is, is our approach is we're data source agnostic in that we will take in information from multiple different types of data sources. So I'll give you some example. Um, the traditional approach will be, for example, from probes. So for, you can install physical probes um, who will be monitoring physical interfaces. We can tap those physical interfaces and get all of the information off that. And we can have software-only probes, virtual probes, which basically means the operator can have their own own, um, either their own hardware or their own cloud environment, and we can install our software upon that. And we can also take information directly from network elements. So many of the network elements, from ENOBs, MMEs, uh, SGWs, BSEs, RNCs, they'll also produce their own information. That information can be of many different types. It could be as simple as counters, um, and the, you know, the counters are very simple. They're ubiquitous, and there's many, many different types of counters, um, but they have the weaknesses in that, you know, they may be able to tell you how many call drops have occurred, but they may not necessarily tell you who's been affected by the call drops. So what you tend to do is either augment that with the probing data, or for example, using trace information that's available from the network elements. So as time has gone on, um, all of the major vendors have implemented basically traces. They all have their own different names upon them, but these are detailed traces that we can actually get um, visibility at a raw message. So that basically complements the approach of the probing approach, we have the traces approach, we have a counter approach, and also we can take in information directly from the handset itself. So basically you could have a handset application, um, and there's a couple of different examples of that in the marketplace, and we can also ingest that information as well. So coming back to from a, an operator's point of view, what you, you have to do, you have to start off, what are their needs, what are their problems, and then what are the data sources that they have already um, invested in, and we will leverage those existing in investments and then use all of those different data sources, and we will use them to enrich, to correlate, and basically present this holistic overview that I was talking about earlier on. 
I'd like to point out one thing you said. You can actually take data from the UE device, the user equipment. How awesome is that? I mean, the reason I say that, because now you're at the clear edge of the network. And what we could, I have all kinds of ideas for that, like for optimization, for ATP, ATP automatic test procedure, for anyone that's done um, integrations, you know, that's usually the final step ATP, but that's what they use for that. They use the devices. So here with the data you gather, you can look at every part of the network. That, that's, that's just why I, I think that's so cool. But now let's, let's look at the other side. That's so much data. So how do you help customers decide what is useful and what isn't? Okay, and I would always stop, start from the top and try to understand what are the pain points, what are the use cases, and allow that to drill down, allow that to drive how we use that data, um, and to make sure that we only capture the data that they want, and then when we capture that data, we have to manage it in certain ways that just make sense. Um, as you mentioned, there's a large amount of data, um, you, we can store that information, but it may not make sense to analyze all that information and store all that information. So basically, how you make those decisions depends upon the use cases you're addressing. So what I would say is, is that um, there's a, f a number of standard techniques that people will do. You could begin to sample data, aggregate data, and you can um, produce uh, data records. You may optionally decide to store those data records or not. So basically a data record would be a high level overview of an individual call. You may decide to keep a data record for an hour a day, a week, a month, a year, depending upon what your use cases are. You may choose to store the packet data, the raw packet data. And you know, for example, in certain cases you may want to, you know, discard it quite quickly. In other cases for VOP analysis, you may want to retain them for larger periods of time. And those packet data and the data records, and um, they basically um, can you work your way up to a set of high-level KPIs, and those KPIs as well you can retain for various you know periods of retention according to what your needs are. Some KPIs will have to be retained for years, and other KPIs can be aged remarkably quickly. So again, so what you have to have is a very configurable approach all around your, you know, your use cases, your different data sources, and you have to give the end customer the opportunity to, to tune them as, the, as they so require. So I'll give a good example of it. A measurement report is extremely important, for example, understanding the radio environment for an individual subscriber. Um, but there is no compelling need from a radio optimization point of view to retain a single measurement report for weeks and months upon ends. What makes far more sense is to retain the high-level KPIs associated with those measurement reports for a longer period of time. So basically what you do is, is you allow yourself and your customer to, to be able to tune what data they tap in the first place, how long they retain it, the different types of retention, um, and that begin that allows you to handle certainly the data uh, volume problem. The other problem that we would have is in terms of the, the you know the CPU capacity that it actually takes to, to manage all of this. And again, that comes down to actually having a very highly scalable solution that can scale with the network growth, um, as well as being able to do what's required in terms of real-time correlation. And that, to be honest, is one of the how can I say the the USPs of the Empiric solution, and it's one of the reasons why we've we've won um, quite a large number of tier one opportunities, and um, because basically it's based upon our ability to scale. Um, many of our competitors, they would offer troubleshooting um, solutions, um, but you, when you are moving into the analytics space, you have to be able to provide real-time flexible analytics on large amounts of data for tens of millions of subscribers. And um, certain of our competitors hit limits at quite a small numbers. Our solution, because it can scale not only from the volume point of view, but also from the number of transactions, that basically we can allow our customers to do real-time analytics um, on individual subscribers as well as groups of subscribers. Wow, that's pretty cool. So when you, when you show this to Tier 1 uh, carriers, do they look at it and say, you can do that? Do they want to do more? Do they often see what it can do and then realize how powerful it really is? There's a real wow moment when we show them um, the ability to understand in which part of the network the problem is in. And they just they immediately see it, 
they get the benefit of it and they just want it because they know themselves it transforms their their, their workflow because you know they, they can easily go back and say to their bosses look this is saving analysis this is reducing analysis that would typically take six hours down into seconds oh that's so amazing yeah and, i mean it, it it it's just incredible yeah. what you can see and like one of the problems as time goes on um, with the densification of the networks and with the multiple radio access technologies that have been pushed out there, it's just that the sheer number of cells, network elements that have to be managed is just becoming much, much harder to manage the much larger volumes of cells. And at the same time, there's always continual um, financial pressure upon operators and they're, they're having to restrict their headcount. So all of a sudden, fewer people have to do an awful lot more work with, with generally less resources. So this is where the onus is, is upon companies like ourselves to deliver solutions to our customers to well actually identify the root causes of those problems in a timely way and with appropriate workflows that suit our customers. There's no point in providing just you know a toolkit of solutions. You actually have to have a set of workflows that are designed around problems that our customers are facing. So coming back to the example of a throughput analysis, we have to put um, the solutions together in such a way that someone can start off um, with identification of a, a customer with a problem and begin to understand very easily and very quickly, just with a matter of clicks, basically to understand what's the root causes. It, it's not enough just to produce uh, you know, a large amount of information and to blind the end user with a large amount of information. We have to help them solve that problem. And I think one of the things that you guys, you guys, Empirics, <laughs> you guys, I think one of the things that Empirics really can help the carrier with is quality of experience. And QOE is everything. QOE, well, I shouldn't say everything. It's very important, let's say. And I think that's one thing. You can track down why the, the quality of experience is good or bad. I mean, you can you can go right out to the end user and say, here's the problem. I mean, is that pretty accurate? It's very accurate. And like the benefit of well, like we for every single subscriber and for every single sus- uh, service of a subscriber, we assign what's known as a quality of um, experience index. And what we're doing here is we're actually putting a, a simple numeric value on what is the quality of a particular service and what's the overall quality been delivered to an individual subscriber. And what we're trying to do here is basically make it far easier to understand whether a user has been affected by problems or not. So coming back to one of the comments you made earlier on, there's so much data there and we ourselves have access to so much information. But what we have to do is we have to refine all of that information and present it in an easy to understand way. And how we do that is with this quality of index, so quality of experience index. So with a simple numeric value, you look at the value and you basically can see immediately whether the users get excellent service or very, very poor quality of service. So you just by looking at a graph, looking at a value, you immediately understand whether the customer is in trouble or not. And then you can begin to refine that looking by individual services. For example, it's quite common that a user may have good quality service on voice, but you know, for, for example, there are, you know they've connection or they've data connectivity issues as well. So basically, by having a QoE index per service, then all of a sudden you can begin to um, understand whether the problem is on uh, is on one service or, or whether he's been affected by many 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 different types of services. That's just awesome. It's pretty cool. So the other thing I want people to realize. You're looking at real live data on the network. And the reason I say that, it doesn't matter who the OEM is. By OEM, I mean, you know, the Nokias, the Ericsons, the Samsungs, the people that are, are not the people, but the equipment that's actually used by the carrier. You don't care. You're just looking at the data, raw data. Is, is that Correct. right? Like we would be um, agnostic of the network vendor. Okay. So maybe I clarify it in different ways. So we work with all those major vendors. On a probing approach, we have absolutely, um, we can accommodate every single network vendor, including many that you haven't even mentioned there. On the, once you start integrating with their network elements, then there is a bit more of a dependency there. But what we do is we take all of that data in from the likes of Ericsson, from, from Nokia, ALU, Samsung, we take all that information and we treat it all 
in a common way so that basically within our solution then it begins to look like the same different the same type of data and we manage it all in the same way and that's a, a bit of a black art into itself because all of those different network vendors they all have different types of information that they populate and um, some of them are richer than than others some you know maybe will not won't be able to get the same granularity of information and what we have to do is we have to take all that information and try to treat it in the same consistent way but it means then in a multi-vendor network we will be able to present you end-to-end call out of diagrams we'll be able to present you um, an overview of all of those different um, colleagues through many different vendors um, uh, equipment so for example we present you KPIs and they'll be done in an, uh, an agnostic way for example call drop rates on an Ericsson switch as opposed to um, a Samsung Enobi etc and they'll all be compared in exactly the same way because that is one of the issues with vendor counters that those counters are all counted in a different way but for most we treat all of that data in the same way and that basically we can present KPIs that can be used for comparison purposes amongst all the different vendors because guess what the different vendors have different um, I can I say different uh, different uh, different KPI values for different software releases and different parts and uh, in, in, in different geographies so basically we can allow an operator to understand how well for example an Ericsson RNC is comparing against for example um, a Nokia RNC and and the reason I bring that up and that was a great answer by the way because if you've ever sat down in a carrier meeting every OEM points out what they're good at uh, obviously they don't want to point out what they're bad at and it, it, the fact that you can compare apples to apples, because a carrier cares about what's important to them. An OEM is going to point out what they're good at. I mean, there's a difference. That, that's what I'm trying to point out yeah. here. So your, your the solution can actually point out, hey, here's this apple and here's this apple. <laughs> We're looking at the exact same thing on two different OEMs. And here's what this OEM is doing good. And here's what this OEM is doing good. And here's what they're both doing bad. And that, that's what I want to point out. Exactly. And like the one example that always brings my mind there is paging response. You look at the network KPIs and, and you know, paging response is always quite, quite good. And yet when you're on the, on the front line on the call center, you, 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 know, you realize that large amounts of people are actually missing calls. And it, it is interesting that it's one of the weaknesses of many of the vendors is that their, their, paging, their paging KPIs and paging response KPIs are actually quite poor. Um, but just by extension of what we're talking about in terms of being able to compare it to different network vendors, we also apply the exact same approach to the handset manufacturers. So we, when a call is ongoing, we can identify exactly who the manufacturer of the handset is and what is the model of that handset and what is the software release version of that handset. So when a new handset comes to market we can compare the performance of the new handset against standard baselines to see whether or not this handset is performing well or badly and it's quite common that a new handset comes to market base with brand new features and all of a sudden there's regressions in all areas so it's one of the things which are, is of interest to many of our customers they need to be able to do a handset analysis, handset group analysis, where they're analyzing all of the new particular types of handsets and comparing the performance of them for the new features that have been rolled out on the network, but also for all of the standard KPIs as well. Oh, I'm glad you brought up handsets. I totally spaced over that because recently in the news, and I, I'm just drawing a blank right now, there were two handset manufacturers, and it wasn't all their handsets. It was specific, specific models that they had problems with, the throughput was really poor on them. And everyone blames the network, you know, obviously. I mean, you never blame the handset. But here it was actually a problem with these specific models of handsets. I don't know if you remember. I'm just drawing a blank right now. But there were two models. I, I think, I don't want to say who it was. I'll just give someone a black eye. But, but there were two handset uh, models. I, can't, I just can't remember who the manufacturers were. But that's they were using them for testing, and they were like, man, it's really bad in this handset, yet this handset, same carrier, does really, really well. And here there's a flaw within the handset. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, just made me think I've of that. I've seen that occur time and time again. Um, and the, the one that I certainly remember the most was in the Far East, where um, an operator was getting a huge volume of calls at their call center and um, complaining about network quality issues. 
and within our own solution we were analyzing the results and it literally took us seconds to realize that the problem was not related to the quality of the network but to the quality of the handsets because once we started looking at network KPIs on a per handset basis we suddenly saw a, saw a huge divergence in the KPIs and basically a certain and I won't be I won't name the uh, handset manufacturers but both of them were major handset manufacturers and one was performing very well and one was performing extremely badly and when you're comparing the performance of these handsets literally the KPIs were a factor of 10 difference between them so basically drop call rates and call setter failure rates were 10 times worse on the worst performing handset and they were both performing in exactly the same network side by side so all of a sudden the operator in this particular case he suddenly realized he didn't actually have a network quality issue he had a handset procurement issue a handset quality issue and that suddenly turns on its head how do you solve that problem in the first case you could go and you know you'd have to try you know improving your network for a handset that was just very very poor in the second case now you go back to your handset provider and now all of a sudden um, the onus is upon them to supply the solution and it's you know it's a completely different um, approach to solving the problem and you can only do that if you actually have good visibility of the problem. Yeah meanwhile some poor technician or some poor engineer is beating his head into a wall for like probably three months before they finally got your solution and figured out it wasn't him. Yeah and, and like the, the sad thing was, well I'm sorry it's a good thing for us, it literally took seconds for us. You know they rang us, they rang us and they said we have a problem and just as I'm speaking to you I'm going click 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 and you go okay look at this and it, it the answer jumps out at you and it's just because there was there was two major types of vendors upon the net or hands up um, manufactured upon the network and the, the difference in them was so so large it was dramatic and uh, um, it was in some ways was quite easy to find but that comes back to having the benefits of an analytic solution which is easy to, to use so basically these type of results should be jumping out at you oh that's so cool and and like I said, some engineer is probably so happy that they called you because oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's probably taking a beating. You know, it's your fault. Why doesn't yeah, this I, work? Not, I don't know. I've seen examples um, again, and this is this is you know an example f over the relatively recent past where basically um, network elements were incorrectly truncating messages above a certain length. Um, and in one way, it should be an obvious problem, but in another way, it's only obvious if you've actually got access to the raw data. What actually happened was was that many of uh, the vendors, or so many, these messages were being sent back, and the operator had no visibility of these messages. Whereas once you have a troubleshooting tool that can all drill down into the individual messages, you can suddenly see like a message comes in that's 400 bytes and comes out at 200 bytes, and then all of a sudden you begin to understand why the network and why the handsets are not performing correctly and it's because in this particular case a network element node was basically truncating messages oh, it's just that's amazing yeah. it really yeah. is it's it becomes cool. very obvious in hindsight but to, to find it in advance or in the first case you have to have the visibility of the raw messages now jump into the next thing i have to tell you so i saw under your products i saw you have intellisite hammer rand vision exms and you have Voice Watch. And the reason I bring up Voice Watch is because you talk about Volte, specifically Volte. And anyone who's worked on the network, the LTE network specifically, when Volte first came out, there were a lot of problems. The IMS setup, the way every IMS, IP multimedia system, for those listening. But um, when, when they first turned up Volte, it didn't work <laughs> as well as they had hoped. Let me put it that way. There were a lot of problems. And, and I will give, here in the States, I'll give Verizon a lot of kudos because they were very cautious. They worked with it. There were a lot of, and it wasn't just one vendor, well, one OEM. It wasn't just one OEM. All the OEMs had a lot of, there were a lot of problems. I think with your solution, I think probably your teams have probably found a lot more problems than even the OEMs were looking for because they're focused on their equipment. But really, when you look at it, it was a system-wide problem with the way the data was transferred. And I, I don't know how much you can get into that, but I just found that fascinating that you focus on that. For uh, Well, you have VoIP there, but I'm, I'm thinking Volte. But when you focus on that, did you find that the problem was more of a system-wide, like um, I shouldn't say system-wide, more of an end-to-end -end problem? Most than it was a specific piece of equipment? Most definitely. We find that our customers are finding this. And it's just because 
Vaulty does require a rethink and a, a re-optimization and a reconfiguration of an LTE data network. So basically, when most operators were rolling out 4G, it was primarily used for data. And then all of a sudden, VICE has been overlaid upon it. And even though VICE is an old service, it's a traditional service, and everybody understands what is, you know, um, what is required by VICE. But when we come back to it, it is the one of the few real-time services that are actually are, are used on our mobile networks nowadays. If, if people are video, like video streaming, there's an awful lot of buffering there, and, and that takes away an awful lot of the, uh, of the problems. It can actually help massage many of the problems that are encountered. But a voice call, every single grandmother on the planet is well qualified to say whether or not a voice call, a Vulti call is of good quality or not. And what people have found is that when they were rolling out Vulti, is that they had to optimize all of their network elements right away from the core all the way out to the radio access. And particularly in the radio access, what people found was that drop call rates became very, very high, particularly at the cell edge. And that's simply just because Vaulty, because it is a real-time service, it has a real minimum, um, can I say, peak throughput that is required. For a data service, you can always reduce the amount of bandwidth allocated to a data service. And you can you can go from 10 megs down to 1 megs to 500k, all the, all the way down to 20k. And, you know, latency, so basically your throughput will, will suffer, your latency will suffer, but you can still maintain a service, uh, you know, at a slow level, you know, for data services. But for voice, once you get to the cell edge and once you hit a certain critical limit, once you go below that li limit, that simply means that you're, it's not possible to transfer your voice packets in sufficient time, which immediately leads to a call drop. And what many operators have found is that their data, their data network, it was performing extremely well for data services, but when they overrolled Vaulty on top of it, all of a sudden, all of these issues started cropping up at the, at the cell edge. And that was definitely one of the major pain points that people have found um, when they're rolling at Vaulty. Wow. See, that's, that's something I think people don't understand how, well, for one, it's critical we get Vaulty working so they can shut down the 3G network, right? I mean, they want to move ahead. They want they want to shut down the older networks because the older networks, they're coming into life. They have to maintain them and so on. But two, if you don't have voice working, what's the point? <laughs> that's my that's what I'm saying. I mean, and voice has to work very well because just like you said, I'm just going to point it out. Everyone understands voice. We've been making voice calls for literally, you know, hundreds of, over 100 years now. And uh, people understand that when there's a glitch, a delay, a problem, or when you get that echo or that squeaking, they don't like it, and they complain. They'll complain about voice, I think, faster than they would about data or throughput, in my they, opinion. I think voice is very they, obvious. They will, because they're comfortable with it. Like, data could be slow for multiple different reasons, but voice is very personal, personal and people will react just simply because of that reason. They're well able to judge whether or not a voice service is, is of good quality or not. Um, and interestingly, in this coming back to the importance of voice, like we are definitely in the data centric world, and it's very clear that you know it, the network growth has all been delivered by data services, etc. But when you do an analysis of who are the most important customers within your network, you will find, and Mason Analysis published this recently, you will find that the most important revenue generating subscribers for them, voice is still a key component for them. Voice is absolutely essential for that group of customers that high-value group of customers who generate the most revenue for you. So it comes back to like to keep those customers, you have to be able to assure them that you can give them a high-quality voice service. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I feel. Now, I want to shift here. I don't know if you can mention a customer's name, which you don't have to, but could you tell us some use cases, some solutions that you've worked with some carriers in the past? Maybe if you have something that you can, you know, just share with us. Okay, we just go through some simple examples. And we start off um, just from um, a coverage issue. So there's two different types of coverage problems where you have too little coverage and you've got too much coverage. So basically, um, an example where you've got too much coverage is where a cell is overshooting. And this occurs far more often than many people would realize. So basically, you install um, your base station, you put in your physical antenna, you put it at a, at a certain height, you put the, you know, you change the azimuth correctly so it's pointing in the, in the right direction. 
Um, and then suddenly, either due to a misconfiguration or due to you know the terrain that you hadn't properly accounted for, you may realize that a user is trying to register upon that cell at a distance which would be unacceptable. So for example, um, I'll give an example from 3G networks, from UMTS networks. Um, most subscribers um, will be using services on a 3G cell from a distance of anything from 500 meters to a kilometer and a half. You know, it's of that order. Of course, it's configurable. It depends upon many, many things, but that's just as, a, as, a, as an average. But in many cases, I've seen time and time again, where subscribers are trying to camp upon a 3G cell at distances of up to 28 kilometers, 30 kilometers. And that's just simply too far. And that's going to cause multiple problems for that individual subscriber, but also for the network. If you are registered upon that cell, and you may be able to camp and register upon the cell, but the chances are extremely high that when you go to actually make a call or, or um, you know, be that for voice or for data, that those calls will fail just simply because you're too far away from the base station. By the time you receive the signal, it's degraded too much that basically the call quality is very, very poor. So that's the first problem. That subscriber there um, will suffer from call setup issues and call drops just simply because they're too far away from the base station. But also, because they're such a large distance away from the base station, they're now broadcasting at very, very high power. And that means that they're increasing the interference levels in all of the cells all around them. So it's what I call a double whammy, that those subscribers are actually causing worse quality of experience for the other users. So coming back to the RAN Vision solution, what we do is that we easily identify these overshooting cells because we can actually correlate when someone is accessing the network with their distance from the base station and we can be able to say, look, these particular base stations are overshooting and basically they just they need to be down tilted. So that's one very simple example of where we address a coverage issue and make it very easy to understand when these cells are overshooting. So yeah, that's pretty cool. So what about IntelliSight? When would you bring a product like IntelliSight into play? Okay, so what I would say is if you have a need for any type of an analytics approach, then you need IntelliSight. And as time goes on, like the old historical ways of diagnosing problems was in troubleshooting. But there, sorry, there's always a need for troubleshooting, but we've mel well moved away from that type of approach in that you need an analytical approach um, to be able to manage assimilate, absorb, and be able to understand the network and customer behavior. And for that, you need an analytics platform, which is IntelliSight. So basically, um, in the IntelliSight suite, we have multiple solutions sitting upon the rich source of data that we are talking about. And we have multiple different approaches to how we manage that information. We have the Visual Insight solution that basically can uh, give the end user the power to be able to manipulate, manage, and parse, and um, correlate all of that information together in their own way. So basically, if a, if a customer wants to you know, uh, uh, analyze their own information, they can use the Visual Insights approach, or we can offer them different solutions where the, basically the data is already um, analyzed, it's already presented by key KPIs that, that will tell the end user, um, for example, what are drop call rates, call setup failure rates, what's your throughput like, and which particular parts of the network our problems are occurring and what type of services are being used, where are they being used. So basically IntelliSight gives users the flexibility to be able to understand the um, overall behavior of individual subscribers, subscriber groups, handsets, um, as well as network performance as well. And that's why I want to talk about IntelliSight because your solutions go well beyond troubleshooting repairing the network and improving the network, now you're actually looking at how the data is being used by the end user. That's why I want to bring it up because to me, I'm going to say evolved. You know, I know you've always had the solution there, but your solution goes well beyond just troubleshooting and repairing the network and, and making it operate at optimal performance. Now, 
you're looking at how the end user is using the data. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is that accurate? Is that right? Very correct. And so coming back, like we were already speaking about roaming, but in, when a problem occurs upon roaming, you want to know, is it on your interconnect? Um, whether it's, you know, is it affecting just a specific group of subscribers from a specific country? And um, whether it's related to an individual um, part of your own geographical network? Um, so coming back to this is where you need to understand the entire end-to-end -end performance to be able to identify exactly where that problem is occurring. And having the analytics solution allows you to analyze not just an individual call, because that's where like troubleshooting is very, very good that allows you to analyze an individual call. You can drill down, you can see all of your, your packet data, etc., and you get great visibility. But that's not a scalable approach. You need solutions like ours that are able to um, manage billions of transactions per day to be able to understand that at a particular point in time when, it, when an issue occurs, is it affecting just one subscriber, tens of thousands of subscribers, or is it affecting um, your VIP subscribers? So that's one of the advantages of having an analytical approach that you're analyzing huge amounts of information to understand exactly how your business has actually been impacted. That's amazing. So I Let's cover everything that we, we looked at here. We looked at RF coverage. We've looked at throughput issues. We've looked at quality of experience. We've looked at how to look at the end user by putting the putting something on the U, an app on the UE device that we can look at that. And we've also covered how we can look at the analytics, at the information of how the end user is acting or where they're going or not or, but and, and where they're going, what they're doing, how their devices are reacting with the system. And we've also covered that if you have a device issue, you can point it out and find it very quickly. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, we I think we've covered end to end here. Did we miss anything? Did I miss yeah. anything in the, in my uh, summation? Yeah, that was a wonderful summation. And the only thing that actually, as you were going through this, the only thing that I thought that was missing there was actual efficient utilization of resources. So both from an engineering ah. point of view and from a financial point of view, people have heavily invested in their network and they want to minimize their costs as much as possible and maximize the return on investment. So I'll give you some examples of where you would do that. Um, so from a radio point of view, like the vast majority of mobile spectrum that's in use nowadays is licensed spectrum. So you, you know, operators have invested a lot of money in buying those licenses from the various government bodies, um, and you know, a lot of money in terms of their equipment. And you have to make sure that all of those frequency bands that you've bought and paid for are being used efficiently. So coming back to it, what you have to ensure is that um, there is sufficient. Um, handovers um, and offloading between different frequency bands. So you have to make sure that you have full visibility of all of the spectrum is allocated to you so that you're using your spectrum in the most efficient way. And you know, quite often operators, they go through various phases of, of when they do their rollouts. They're looking originally for coverage and then they're trying to add in capacity on top of it. And things change. And what you have to do is you have to keep on top of that continuously to make sure that you are properly handing over subscribers from one frequency band to another frequency band. And if you do that right, you get many cost savings directly. And also, you will actually indirectly be improving the quality of service in the network because all you're using your radio spectrum more efficiently. And that's just one example. And the other example that I can think of in terms of using your, your, your equipment more efficiently, it, it never ceases to amaze me that many mobile operators they allow their base stations to perform in the same way in the dead of night as they would during the busy hour. So there's very, like in certain parts of the world, and Germany is a good example of this, in Germany what they will do is when traffic levels decrease, they'll begin to change their network dynamically on a daily or should I say on a nightly basis where basically they begin to either switch off base stations or change power um, so that they can reduce their electrical costs. So basically between... 10 to 20% of the total electrical cost, or the total cost of running a RAN is pure electrical power. So again, go back to if you're in um, Wall Street, for example, like at the dead of night, um, you may not want all of your base stations there to be running at full power. So what you should be doing is basically being able to decrease your power, even switch off certain base stations and allow the macro network to take over the load. And if you do that, you can easily shave off a couple of percent of your OPEX cost. So coming back, so I think that's one thing that is missing there, just efficient utilization of resources. I'm so glad you brought that up. I never even thought of that, but you're right, because 
energy efficiency is a huge part of the bill, and that's something that comes up all the time now because I know the OEMs are trying to build more energy. And, and when I say OEMs, everyone, like like the Cisco's, yeah. the Nokia's, the, the Ericsson's, they're trying to build as energy-efficient equipment as possible because that's a, that's a big part of the bill, and I think the carriers realize that because they have literally thousands of sites out there. They, it adds up. So the more efficient they are at 100 sites, that's a huge saving. So, yeah, it's really cool you brought that up, because if you don't need all your, uh, I was going to say, you know, bees, but base station sites, if you don't need them on at night or a certain time of day, if they're really lightly used, why run them at full power? What's the point? Exactly. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And then sense. what you need to do is you need to selectively tune which ones you can either turn down or switch off and then make sure that the macro layer can cover it. Like you don't want to, you don't want to suddenly introduce coverage holds, but you can do this in a, in, in a clever, systematic way. And very easily you begin to shave percentage points off your electrical bill. That's pretty awesome. So looking at this, it's an unbiased real data solution that can cover almost every department in the carrier. So when I say departments, I mean the RF engineering department, I mean the backhaul department, which would be the IT guys, the base station guys, the field guys, but also customer service to see how your customers are using the device and what problems they have. You can actually help customer service see the problems. You can help sales see what is being used the heaviest? I mean, I just see it as, as not just a – when you look at most solutions, they're there to solve a single problem, which you can do, which you can do. But using the data, you can solve so many more problems across so many different departments. And I hate to say it's a, you know, an end-all, fix-all. It's, it's probably not, but it is all the data you need to solve so many issues in the network, but you shouldn't narrow it down to just one department. I mean, what we've shown here with your solutions, you can help the RF guys, they're happy. You can help the network guys, they're happy. You can help the end-to-end solution, they're happy. You can help procurement understand which devices are working at optimal performance. Just because they get it cheap doesn't mean that's a device you want to distribute. You want the device that's going to make the customer the happiest. I mean, I, I just look at it as a win-win all the way around. Yeah, and, and like one of the tricks is to present information that's relevant to the specific user of the system. So someone in procurement has got very different needs from someone in customer care who's got very different needs from someone in the RF department. And yeah. maybe they're all looking yep. at exactly the same information, but you have to present it in a way that's meaningful for them and the role and how they do the business. So someone in procurement, you know, they want to know exactly, you know, why the new handset that I really, you know, that was bought, you know, six months ago, how's it doing now? What, you know, what has been the take up and what's been the actual usage of services in the field? And um, where someone in the RF department is looking for, you know, is that phone working as well as it should? And, you know, again, it's just about giving them the right amount of information so they can do their job um, and yet still allowing the more detailed power users access to all of the hardcore information. And let's keep in mind, this is unbiased data. And what I mean by that is, is it like one OEM is looking at this saying, well, here are our equipment's working and yours isn't. This is why. Your data is unbiased. It doesn't care whose equipment it is. I know you have, I know setting it up, obviously it does. But looking at the data, it doesn't care whose equipment is doing, is, is out there. What it cares about is what equipment is doing what with the data it has. So, it's unbiased. It isn't like you're going to go out there and favor one OEM over another, regardless whether it's on the on the backhaul or whether it's on the RAN. You're just looking at data, pure, clean data, and pointing out improvements that can be made in the system. Correct, and that's been done in a consistent way. So again, go back to what we said earlier on. You can simply compare the performance of one network vendor against another network vendor, and they may query what is you know the algorithm, the KPI, etc., but the exact same KPIs and algorithm are being, being applied to all of the vendors right across the network. I think that's awesome. Just amazing. <laughs> it's fun to talk about. You know, it's so cool. Um, yeah, yeah, but there's, there's strong.
strong business needs for that too as well. Like all of the operators, when they invest in a network vendor, it's a huge big decision for them and they have to understand what is the consequences of that decision. Like are they getting the performance that they've paid for or the SLAs that they've paid for being met? And having end-to-end visibility is, you know, it's one way to get that. So, you know, so it, like they're, they're strong business drivers for that as well. Yep, ROI, return on investment. Yeah, you know, it's just, it. it in, that's one thing I admire about Americans, never too afraid to talk about money and time. And I would know because it always comes down to that. And when you speak to your customer, you have to bear that in mind continuously. How do I solve your problems? How can I, you know, make it easier for you? How can I de-risk you? And how can I make you more money? And all of these very basic fundamentals have to be in the foremost of your mind every single time you talk to a customer. You have to understand their pain points and try to help them. It's so true. So, Gerard. I had a great time. I tied you up here for a long time. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for uh, sticking with me this whole time. But I thought maybe you'd want to put out, you know, contact information, just anything on the podcast. I don't know if you want to do a phone number or website. Websites what most people do. But whatever you're comfortable with, let the people know. I, I would direct people towards www.empirix.com, E-M-P-I-R-I-X. Um, dot com and basically yeah and there is a contact section there and take it from there because what we will then do is then when that information comes in we'll make sure that that it's passed to the appropriate the appropriate person so that we can actually um, manage your request and i have all the links in my blog so anyone that goes to wade for wireless you'll see it there well gerard thank you i really do appreciate it and I, i'm just so glad i got to talk to you up at needas in new york city i really enjoyed it and uh, i i just think your product's awesome thank- as are you, my friend. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much for the compliments. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a pleasure to meet up and eat us. Um, and it was a great show, and they did it. They did a very, very good show. Right? Thank you, Wade. And there he was, the rock star of the big data analytics of wireless. I got to tell you, I appreciate it. Thank you, Gerard. I appreciate your time. I know this was long, but let's face it. It was well worth it. Everyone, Wade for Wireless. Wade, W-A-D-E, the number four, wireless.com. What can I say? He says it all. I mean, he can solve the problems. He can find the problems. He finds solutions. He can track the customers. What more do the carriers want? Thanks, everybody. I appreciate your support. And remember, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. When you're out there working, you need all three. See ya.